0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit Houston'sFirst.org. The sweet journey of marriage. And as we look into Song of Songs in just a moment, if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there to the Song of Songs. And I want you to be able to look at here as we're going to look at the deepening of the relationship here. Here. Between Solomon and his wife, we've journeyed together over these last few weeks. We've looked at their attraction. We've looked at their dating. We've looked at their courtship. We've looked at their marriage. We've even been bold enough to look in the Scriptures of their wedding day and wedding night of their honeymoon. We've seen two chapters on conflict, and now we're going to see the deepening of their relationship, that there's a journey that takes place, that there's a deepening. It's one thing to be young love. It's another thing to be older love. It's one thing to be just the beginnings of a relationship. It's another thing to be deepening of a relationship. So if you're at Siena or Cyprus or downtown or online, I want you to to grab your Bible and to look into chapter 7 is where we're going to be in the Song of Songs in Cyprus. I'm actually going to be with you tonight at the barbecue, and so I'm looking so forward to that. I've seen you tonight in Cyprus. But for all of us, we're going to jump in to chapter 7 is where we're going to go, and we're going to see a maturing, beautiful picture a poetic and high standard of what it means to see a man and a woman in marriage and growing in that marriage. Now, why do we need to talk about these things? Well, because we're really confused on marriage in our society. We're really confused on love in our society. We're confused on sex in our society. And so we want to see the template that God has And what does his Bible say about this? What's the template that God has so that we can put next to that template everything else we see in society and say, does this measure up? We're going to see a very high standard, a wonderful high standard, but we won't all meet that standard. And I want you to know there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And that we are able to let our marriages look and say, we want to be that, but we may never be that. We read Romans because we see the the righteousness of God, but we'll never be that righteous. We read Galatians and we see the freedom that is in Christ, but we'll never have all of that freedom. We see Proverbs, but we'll never be that wise, but we still study them. And we look at them. So we look into the Song of Songs, beginning in chapter 7, verse 1. We're just going to jump in here in verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 and explain them to you. "'How beautiful are your sandaled feet, my princess. The curves of your thighs are like jewelry, the handiwork of your master.'" On it goes from there. Let's just start. I'm going to explain these things to you. How beautiful are your sandaled feet? What he's going to say here, and what we're going to see through this whole first five verses here, and then we'll jump into more, is we're going to see that marriage roots are deepened through service. Marriage roots are deepened through service. So how does our relationship deepen? He says, my princess... Now, if you were to turn to chapter one of Song of Songs, you would find that she's not a princess. She's actually an outdoor girl. She's working in the fields, girl. That's the first chapter that we have there. She says, don't look at me. The sun has burned me. I don't want you to even look at me. And then now, because of the love of her husband, she's a princess. She's not a princess by birth. She's a princess by marriage to Solomon. But here's the deal. She is his princess. And by being his princess, you'll see that her, her countenance and her, her way about her, her self-esteem, her self-confidence is going to grow because of the compliments we'll see of her husband. Here is service. We're going to see him serve her. In verse one through five, he's going to describe her. In verses six through nine, he's going to desire her. He's going to describe her in one through five and then desire her in six through nine. And that's going to make her feel important. That's going to make her feel special. That's going to make her feel loved in a tremendous way. So what's the first way that we're able to serve one another? It's with our words, with our words. That's the first way we serve one another. It's not just doing stuff. It's saying stuff. It's declaring. It's compliments. It's saying, I want to praise you. I want to compliment you. Now we wanna make in our marriages, in our relationships, even our friendships, we want praise and compliments to be a habit. I ask you this question. Is negativity more a habit to you or positivity in relationships? Are you more likely to be judgmental or are you more likely to be complimentary? Are you more likely to give praise to your spouse or are you more likely to point out what they are doing wrong? Now I know some of you right now are thinking, yeah, but you don't know my spouse. There's my point right there. Because that praise, that moment to be able to lift him up with the words. And we're going to see here, gentlemen, he's going to give some amazing words. And I don't know that you should use them verbatim, okay? You're going to have to make them your own. But the first thing he says, you have sandaled feet. That meant there is a wealth there. He's going to go from bottom to top. Now, previously in chapter three, he went from, or chapter four, he went from top to bottom. So there's some folks that say he may be washing her feet at this time to be able to say, I want to raise up and I want to give you these words. So the first thing he's going to do is he's going to give compliments in these first five verses. And they're going to be wonderful compliments, ladies. Now, there's actually been a study done by the Goddard Institute. And this is how they could predict with 90% likelihood whether or not your marriage will make it. 90%. Here's how they can do it. It's a five to one ratio. If the compliments and praises are five and the negative comments are one, you're going to make it. Five to one ratio. It's literally a math problem. They said if the negative is five and the compliments are one, then you're just heading down, 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 down. It's just a matter of time. They may stay together on paper, but you just don't enjoy one of those company. And so if the rolling in the eyes and and all of that begins to override the five of, you look pretty today. You're beautiful today. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful you're my wife. I'm so grateful that you're my husband. Thank you for working so hard. Do you know what an amazing parent you are? I'm so proud of you. I love when you're with me because I get to show you off to the world. When those are happening and then you say, "Uh, I didn't really like the onions in that, you know. That's Okay. But to be able to have the five to one, so we serve with our words. Watch his words as he starts. I'm just going to take you through one through five, and I hope you'll just follow along in the scriptures because this is one of those passages of scripture. If you were to read it on your own, you'd probably go, I don't know what that's saying. Let me tell you what it's saying. Here we go. Verse one through five. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, princess. So he has declared her to be a princess. The curves of your thighs are like jewelry. Let's just stop right there, okay? He's saying your figure is beautiful. All right? That's what he's saying. The curves of your thighs are like jewelry, the handiwork of a master. Now it's going to really get weird. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Wine, your belly is a mound of wheat surrounded by lilies. What is that talking about? He is saying that you are like wine and you are like wheat. Now, I know, ladies, you've been like, I've been waiting for my husband to call me wheat for so long. I want him to gaze at my belly, and I want you to say, your belly is full of wheat. You've been eating a lot of bread, is what he's saying. No, that's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's complimenting her. Grain came from the fall harvest. Grapes came from the spring harvest. And in an agrarian society, they saw that as a gift of God. What's he saying? You are a gift of God in the fall and in the spring. Year-round, all the time... God has given you to me. What a blessing. Listen to to the the Bible just in Proverbs. Um, It says this, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I particularly like this one, Proverbs 19, verse 14. A house and wealth are inherited from a father, from your fathers. But a good wife, a prudent wife is a gift of the Lord. So what's he saying? He's saying what every lady in this room or every lady online or every lady at every campus, every place in the world, wherever it is, wants to hear. You are a gift of God to me. Every husband wants to hear it as well. Not just, you know, my high school boyfriend got married to somebody else, so I guess I could go with you. That's not it. It's saying I'm in love with you and you are like the harvest of the fall and the harvest of the spring. You are a gift of of God to me. You are my food and you are my drink. Here we go, verse three. Let's all look on our cover. Are we reading the Holy Bible? Yes, we are. Verse three. Your breasts are like two fawns, like the twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by Beth Radim's Rabin's gate. Your nose. Here we go. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Ladies, you've been waiting for that one, haven't you? Looking towards Damascus. So what do we have here? We have that he's going from the top to the bottom. We've seen the feet. We've seen uh, his words about the thighs. We've gotten to the belly. Then he speaks about the gentleness of her breast and how he'll be kind with her in that way. That he doesn't rush into sexual intimacy. He's Tender, he's kind, just as a gazelle you would approach a deer in a very sweet and loving kind of way. He approaches your most intimate places, and your neck is like a tower of ivory. There is no biblical example of a tower of ivory. Why? It's too expensive. It's too expensive. He's saying, You are the best. You are better than anything. When I see, what would you see in this society? You'd look across the plains and you'd see a tower standing up. And you'd say, that is the most beautiful. It's different than every other bit of landscape. It's an ivory tower, so precious, built so preciously. You are wonderfully made by the Lord. Psalm 139, That, that he, how wonderful are His works that we have been knitted in, in my mom's womb, in your mother's womb, that you're wonderfully made by the Lord, that you are like a tower of ivory. What holds you up straight, where your confidence comes from, is like a tower of ivory. It's too expensive. It's too great. Then he goes up another notch. Your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by Bath Rab- Rabim's gate. Now, pools by gate. Let's put this together. The gate of the city, remember Proverbs 31, it says, The husband is respected at the city of city gates. There is commerce that happens at the gates. We're at the Loop Campus at the gates of the city, if you will. I-10 going into 610. It's a busy, busy place. We have 100,000 cars that pass our church at the Loop Campus every day on 610 and I-10. 100,000. Busy, busy, busy. Here's what he's saying. Now, this is so beautiful. Don't miss this. In the busyness of life, your eyes are where I find the pools of rest. You are Your eyes... Are like the pools at the city gate. I can go to work all day long, get beat up all day long. I can do all what I do, but when I come home and look into your eyes, <sighs> the Lord is my shepherd. He, lead, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters, pools, and He restores my soul. You are a restoration to my soul. Do you hear, ladies, what she is doing and how He is responding? He doesn't come home from work into more chaos. He comes in from work to peace. He doesn't come into it eye that's looking at him and rolling at him. He comes into eyes that give him peace and comfort. And so there's a gentleness to her. And he says, your eyes are like a rest stop on a busy highway. Your eyes are like pulling over to a scenic spot to look at the mountains on the midst of a highway in Colorado. You are like the pools where I find my rest. So he said all of these things, and then he gets to, and I got to explain this one. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking towards Damascus. That does not say, it's really hard to compliment a woman's nose. I don't know really how you do that and when, right? It's so small. I know. It's too big. I know. I mean... What do you do? You just kind of just stay away from it, you know? So, but he goes for it and he says, your nose is like the tower of Lebanon. Now, how terrible could that be? If this wasn't biblical and husbands, you went home and said your nose, it reminds me of something sticking out on the horizon that's there. You'd be like, tell me the counseling center phone number again. What, what, What do I need to do? So don't do that in Siena, and Cyprus, downtown. Don't do that. He says, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking towards Damascus. Very interesting. Looking toward Damascus was looking from northern Israel into Syria. And he was saying there was a tower, and they would look, and they would see if the Syrian army was coming against Israel. Okay? And to see that coming, the tower was symbolic of national security. You see it? It's like we would have, you know, some satellite imagery to be watching, whatever. They're on a tower watching to see if there's going to be any military coming against. So she is like national security. Here's what it means. Your eyes are like pools of relaxation and your face gives me security and peace. When I'm with you, I'm safe. So ladies, he's basically said, you're my princess You have a beautiful figure. You are my spring rains and harvest. You are my fall rains and harvest. You are a gift of God to me. I'm going to be gentle with you in the intimacy. Your neck, your stance is so wonderful. It's so expensive. You can't even build a tower out of ivory. Your eyes give me relaxation. Your face gives me peace and protection. I'm more comfortable with you than anyone. Verse five, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. The hair of your head like purple cloth. A king could be held captive in your tresses. This is a shampoo commercial is what's happening right here in your Bible, okay? He says, your hair crowns you like Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was a beautiful, beautiful spot in Israel. It's beautiful. It literally means a place of beauty. And so this Mount Carmel, she, he says, your hair is gorgeous. And I just get caught up in its tresses. Now, here's what's interesting, ladies. I thought you might want to know this. Um, her hair in chapter 4, verse 1, in chapter 6, verse 5, was black. And then now they say that it's purple. This is a biblical mandate for you to be able to color your hair, ladies. Is that awesome or what? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. It cost you a lot of money. And now you got the Scripture to prove it right here. All right. Now, they don't think her hair was literally purple. I'm making a joke about the coloring of her hair. He's saying that it's like royalty. Purple was the color of royalty. So he's saying, your hair, I could get caught up in your hair, your eyes, your beauty. It is amazing. You are beautiful. You are my crown. It crowns you with everything that you have. Guys, do you know that the crown of your life is your wife? You can have a lot of stuff, and we don't know anything about your character. If we could talk to your wife for 10 minutes, we'd find out who you really were. Oh, I got look at, look at my car, look at my house, look at my job, look at my this, look at my that. doesn't matter. None of that is character-based. That could be skill-based. That could be, as it said in Proverbs 19, that land and houses is from fathers. You may have inherited it. But a gift of God is your wife, and so treat her as your crown, her countenance, declares our character, men. And so allow her countenance to be an amazing countenance and compliment her with these things. Declare these things. How wonderful it is to be able to declare these things. So he describes with his words these amazing things. Do you see a five to one ratio in this? It's like a 10 to zero ratio is what's happening. And so now we get, excuse me, to verse 6 which is we serve with our words is number one. Secondly, with our intimacy. We serve with our intimacy. That God has given us a beautiful oasis of sexual intimacy within marriage. It's a a bit of heaven on earth in your home. With all the chaos going out around in the world, it's an oasis. It's a a place of heavenly, uh, a garden it's described as, to be able to have that together. But notice that the words precede the intimacy. The love is deep and expressed, then the intimacy comes next. Now, they've been married for a while at this point, but watch verse 6. And I would say circle verse 6 and also verse 10. They're theme verses for this. Look at verse 6. How beautiful you are and how pleasant. My love with such delights not that a great word? You can quote that gentleman to your wife, and she'll love it. How beautiful you are and how pleasant, my love. With such delights, I delight in you. Your stature is like a palm tree. Your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I said, uh-oh, here we go. I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Your, may your breasts be like clusters of grapes and the fragrance of your breath— "'Like apricots, your mouth like fine wine.'" Let's stop right there. So what's he saying in verse 7 and 8? Exactly what you think he's saying in verse 7 and 8. But I love the picture that he's giving here. Think about in the Middle East, she is his oasis. You see it? Where do the palm trees grow? Oasis. Where does the fruit grow? In a place of, of, of uh, fertility and fruitfulness, so in this place of the Middle East, a much barren desert, she is his oasis. He is her oasis. So then verse 9, look at what it says in verse 9. If you're looking in your Bible, you'll be able to see it. It says in verse 9, your mouth is like fine wine. And then it should break in your Bible and say, woman. Now she's going to speak. Your mouth is like fine wine flowing smoothly for my love. Now the lady is speaking. She's interrupted him which is biblical. Okay, ladies, just interrupt him. Your mouth is like fine wine. Now the lady flowing smoothly for my love, gliding past my lips and teeth. Verse 10, I am my loves and his desire is for me. What happens right there is it's a kiss. I love this. This is so poetic. Verse 9 is intermingled with the man begins to speak and she finishes his sentence to symbolize their lips interlocking, that the verse is interlocked because their lips are interlocked. And here's what's happening. The maturation of their relationship is now she's finishing his sentences. Now, ladies, don't finish our sentences too much when we really want to get a thought across. But what it's saying is they are so locked in step, they know how one another thinks. And they know each other so well. Now we'll see the intimacy come after that. Do you see the beautiful, do you see a template of God? It's not, let's rush to bed. It's not, let's fulfill our lusts. It's not, let's live together. It's not, let's just go together in a, a, an ex escapade of sexual aspects. It is, I want to marry you, care for you. I want to from top to bottom and bottom, or from top to bottom and bottom to top to be able to tell you everything I see in you, everything I see in you. And I want us to be so tight and interlocked that our relationship is modeling a kiss. Do you see the beauty of it? And do you see the reason we need to teach biblical sexual intimacy. You're not seeing this in the movies. This is not in the news reports. This is better. Do not think that God's view of sex is less. It is better. Students, you walk with God. Singles, you walk with God. You wait on God, and you will see the blessings of God within marriage. The only sexuality that God blesses is between a husband and a wife. That's the only way because it's exactly how he put it together. And they're now interlocked. And she says in verse 10, I am my loves and his desire is for me. I'm not worried about his wandering eye because he doesn't have one. I am his and he is mine is how it says in chapter 2, verse 16, chapter 6, verse 3. And now she says not just that he's mine, but that his desire is for me. Now watch what happens here. Watch what happens here. Well, let me give you the last thing. So the, with our, we serve with our, our words, we serve with our intimacy, and we serve with our trust. We serve with our trust. Do you see the trust that's been built here? See, sex is built upon trust. Intimacy is built upon trust, not on feelings. Trust. That's what it's built upon. And so we see that. Now watch what happens here. We're going to get our next point. Marriage roots are deepened through shared experiences, through shared experiences. Marriage roots are deepened through shared experiences. I told you first, marriage roots are deepened through service. Now we're going to see they're deepened through shared experiences. This is the lady. Look at verses 11 through 13. Come, my love, she says. Let's go to the field. Let's spend the night among the henna blossoms. Let's go early to the vineyards. Let's see if the vine has budded, if the blossoms have opened, signs of spring, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my caresses. She offers herself to her husband. The mandrakes give off a fragrance and at our doors is every delicacy, both new and old. I have treasured them up for you, my love. So those in verse 13, is talking about those, those. That's a very, very sexually expressive use of fruit and mandrakes and apricots. It's very juicy is what she is saying here. Very sweet, very fragrant. Now, here's what happens. They have a shared experience. Now, here's what I want you to see. They are doing life together. She initiates this. Chapter 2, verse 10, he's the one that says, come away with me. Then later on, she is now initiating. She says, come away with me, and let's go, and let's see the spring. Let's go to the field. Let's spend the night among the henna blossoms. Let's have this be a responsive, wonderful time. It's spring again. Now, what this gives clarity to is that we should be having date nights. We should be having lunches together. You should get away with your spouse, and to be able to say, we want to get away, and just have some time alone, doesn't have to be dramatic, doesn't have to be expensive, doesn't have to be anything great, but to be able to have those shared experiences together. Remember, Kelly and I, we have had date nights or date lunches. We have eaten together at least once a week, just the two of us on some type of date feel for 25 years almost. We haven't missed much. We've missed, but we haven't missed much. And when we first got married, we said, you know what, you plan the first date night and then I'll plan the second one and you plan the next one and then I'll plan that one. And then we did about three of those. We went, this is too much effort and this is too much work. Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, where you want to go? Back in those days, about all we could do. Then we'd say, well, let's go someplace. We got where we were able to go and get a waiter. That was a big step for us, to be able to have enough money to go and have a waiter. And we'd go and spend time together. We'd order pizza together. You don't even have to always go out It's just time together. Put the kids to bed, little ones. It's hard to get away with little ones. It'll cost you a fortune with babysitters. Get them to bed and say, this is our time. Not with a screen. This is our time together. Let's talk. Let's get knee to knee. Let's be shoulder to shoulder. Let's be arm in arm. Let's walk on the spring night. Let's go out to eat. And so to be able to have that as the kids have gotten older, um, now we're able, we have a date lunch once a week. We have a lunch together every single week together. And if if one of us can't make it for that lunch, the other one's got to know about it. We got to ask permission type of thing. It is solid. It's on the schedule. Nothing else happens but that date lunch on that day. And so it's spending this time together. Now, notice two things are not brought up as they go together the kids are not brought up, and work is not brought up. We'll challenge ourselves in our marriage at times. We'll say, let's don't talk about the kids and let's don't talk about church. And then we sit there and go, so what's your favorite color? You know, that's what I always kind of go back to. It's hard. It's hard to do that. But Cypress, Sienna. Downtown, it's important to do that, to get just the two of us because we're going to get to the stage. We're already getting there. There's going to be just the two of us again. So here they are. They're running off together. Romance can be a delightful surprise where she says, come on, let's go. Let's do this. It can be a delightful surprise or romance can be planned. Either way, it's okay. But what it needs to be is it needs to be a connection of two hearts together. We put a chart for you in your listening guide, so I hope that you'll grab this, and online we'll put it on the screens for you. It's a chart of communication levels. This is a really neat chart. This communication levels. Okay, so let's look at it together. Clichés surface. The meaning is non-sharing. The degree of transparency is none who do you share with? Anyone. Say, hey, how are you today? I'm great. What's going on? Not much, right? How's the weather? Oh, it's hot today. It's just its just what we do in the grocery store lines. It's okay. It's what we do. It's not a problem. Number two is facts. Sharing what you know. The degree of transparency is very little, right? It's a little bit of transparency, but not much. You share it with a number of people. Boy, gas here sure is is high. Yeah, it is. That's a fact, right? A little transparency. Man, it's hard to... Make it with all this inflation. Yes, that's a fact. And there's some transparency in there. But you're not like, I know, I've got $3 in my bank account. What do you think? Can I borrow some money? That's going to be way down on the needs section. But to be able to have facts. Then opinions, sharing what you think, some degree of transparency. Number of people you share with is some. Now, this is what gets us in trouble on social media. We share our opinions with the number of people we share with the world, right? So that's a different thing. On what needs to be shared, Now huh? Go for it, do it, whatever you want to do. Number four, feelings. Sharing what you feel. Degree of transparency is much. You share with very few people how you really deeply feel. And then number five is needs. Sharing who you are. That's a complete transparency. The number of people you share with is one to three people. This is from the book, Why I'm Afraid to Tell You Who I Am by Paul, John pa- Powell, And looking at this chart, here's what we do. Look at the chart. Many of us, let's put the chart back up since I said look at the chart. There we go. We don't, we don't, many marriages don't go past number three. And that's a problem. Guys, you got to tell how you really feel. Ladies, you got to tell how you really feel. You can't just stuff it. And if you just stay at number three in your marriage and in key relationships, it's not going to work. Then you move to the feelings. Do you have some friends to be able to move those feelings? And then here we have, in Song of Songs, what we're seeing in chapter 7, we have needs. They're talking about self-esteem, self-security, uh, insecurities, being secure. They're talking about deep relationships. And there's a complete sharing of who they are from top to bottom. He's complimenting our nose and our thighs. I mean, my goodness, you better know somebody well when you're doing that. And here he is, and it's complete, and they're there so that then intimacy comes when you're completely vulnerable with one another physically. Do you see how that builds, though? You can't be completely vulnerable physically until you've been completely vulnerable spiritually, emotionally, relationally, conversationally, and in your life. Because if you just are completely vulnerable spiritually, it's going to spin wildly out of control. See also today's world. Romance can be spontaneous. It can be planned, but it can be a delightful surprise or it can be something you say, in six months, we're going to go and we're going to do this. We are very planned on our date lunches. Boom, 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 boom. And yet there's a wonderful surprise of our conversation that we have when we talk. So what a joy it is to be able to compliment and do these things with one another. Remember one time I grabbed Kelly's day timer. She's got just good old pen and paper day timer. And I just sat down and I just wrote out. I just started flipping through the months. You're beautiful. I flip another couple weeks. You're amazing. Flip a couple of weeks. You're the greatest wife in the world. Man, what a mom you are. Boy, I love you. You look great today. I just would just just months and months. And then every time she get to one of those days, she'd come home and she'd go, you know what I found in my daytimer today? She never came home. And went, would you quit writing in my daytimer? I'm so tired of being told I'm beautiful. Not gonna happen. But there's an intimacy that happens in a marriage that comes, and I want to set forward to you a template of God's amazing best. This is three thousand years ago, and it's better than anything you could find today. Now, look, lastly, as we wrap up this thing, verses 1 through 4, just so I can get my whole scripture done, she's going to be playful now with him. Here we go. Now, let me tell you what this is before we jump into it. In Jewish culture, you would not have public displays of affection, (PDA) with your spouse, but you could have it with your brother or sister in an appropriate way. So you wouldn't be arm around your spouse, but you could put your arm around your brother and be like this. So here's what she is going to say. She's saying, I wish you were a family member because I'd love to just in public, right in the middle of Jerusalem, just put my arm around you and hold your hand and kiss you. Now, that doesn't affect us today, but it did them. Look at verse 4, or excuse me, verse 1 through 4. But if I could treat you like my brother, the one who nursed at my mother's breast, I would find you in public and kiss you. And no one would scorn me. You had to know that. Or you're like, she wants to kiss her brother. What's going on here? Verse 2. I would lead you, and I would take you to the house of my mother who taught me, and I would give you spiced wine to drink from the juice of my pomegranate. And may his left hand be under my head, and his right hand embrace me. Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you, don't stir up or awaken love until it's appropriate time. She says, I wish I could tell the world how much I love you. That's what she's saying. Now, do you notice that it's happening from the male husband to the female to the wife? It's happening from the wife to the husband. There's a five to one ratio. They're going, they're trying to outdo each other by serving each other with the love that is there. And so what do we do? We take this into our relationships and we love each other well. And when we do that, here's what will happen. Your relationship should mature and deepen. Now, let me just tell you, write this down, get it in your mind. If we don't follow God in this, here's what's going to happen. Men left to themselves will become stale and women left to themselves will become sour. Here's what I mean. The man will become stale. We will sit in the most comfortable chair we can find. And just watch things. I don't want to go do anything. Ah, That's too much trouble. We'll get stale. And a woman left to herself, meaning without the Lord, will become sour. (laughs) You never mind. Finishing sentences all the time, but not with, I want to kiss you kind of sentences. So men, let's not become stale. And women, don't become sour because when you end up with a stale man and a sour woman, you do not end up with this. You end up with tolerating each other, tolerating each other. And instead, let's desire one another and let the relationship deepen. Let me close with this last thing. I tried to share with you our journey along the way and so that you could just, we could personalize this a little bit. Let me show you a picture of Kelly and I about a month before we got married. That's in an engagement party that someone threw to, for us there. So there we are, 1997, July is when that is. So many, many years ago, young love, I mean, holding hands, looking in each other's eyes, let me show you now 25 years later. There we are. I want you to know. Yeah, thank you. I clap for that too. 25 years this summer, 25 years later. I want you to know in between those two pictures, I tried to figure out last night, are about 15 to 20,000 meals together. I mean, think about that 15 to 20,000 meals meals together. We have been to church together, especially with me, thousands of thousands of times we've worshiped together. We have prayed together thousands of times. We brushed our teeth next to each other thousands of times. We've had more cars than I can count. We've bought and sold houses. We've been on vacations together. We've had fights. We've made up We've not understood each other. We've understood each other. We've listened to each other ramble on about something that's not important to me or not important to her. But the fact that I'm important to her, she listens and she's important to me. I listen. Those two pictures are not just side by side. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of maturation moments of marriage. It's our own personal up movie that we started with that clip at the beginning. So there we were, two kids, me finishing seminary and her finishing up student teaching. And then now with kids, getting some gray hair. All that happens, and I want to encourage you, let's all follow God in the midst of it all and walk with Jesus. And if you haven't done it right, come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and clarity in the right template. And also, if you have done it right, and maybe you're looking back, and your husband or wife is in heaven now, thank God for those great days. For those of us that are still in the midst of it, let's appreciate God for those great days that we're in. And for those that are waiting on that person that God may bring. You just walk with God and trust Him. I submit to you, lastly, this is better. This is better. And you take anything you see and you put it next to this template and you compare it. And You say, this is God's view of man, a woman, marriage, then intimacy. This is the world's view. We could go off all day on different things. I'm choosing God's view and walking with Him. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank You, Lord. We love You, God. We ask Jesus that You would speak to our hearts, our lives, our marriages, Lord. Lord, if we just obeyed You in just this one thing, how different would the world be? If we just said, we're just going to obey God in just this The aspect of intimacy. There'd be no rape. There'd be no trafficking. The list could go on and on and on and on. And so, Father, we just say in a crazy, sex-crazed world, we choose your template. It's the right one for our hearts. Grow us, Lord, wherever we are, whatever stage. Forgive us, Lord, whatever our sin. May we turn to you and ask for that forgiveness. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.